Hey everyone, Don here. Welcome to another uh, episode of Friday Night Stripes. Uh, today we're going to do another review episode and we're going to have a, a guest on as well. So today we've got Joey Garrison with us from uh, west of Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, welcome, Joey. Hey, Don. How you doing? Doing real well. So uh, thank you for joining. Uh, great when 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 we can get a little back and forth going and get some stories yeah, and things like that. So um, I, I, I don't mind doing it on my own, but it's always better when there's a nice conversation going. So <laughs> absolutely. So thank you for joining. Um, Joy, uh, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what 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 association you're in, what what position you're at, uh, how and your officiating journey in general. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I am a member of the West Georgia Football Officials Association. Uh, it's based in LaGrange, Georgia. Um, it is, I guess you could consider it part of the network of GHSA, which is the main governing body for high school athletics. We have a couple others sure. in the state, but, that, but that's the big one. Um, I got my start seven years ago. Um, I was 20 years old rather green, uh, but my background actually was in flag football uh, at the collegiate level. Um, sure. So I was over at the University of West Georgia doing flag football on campus. That that uh, moved up to doing some regional ball uh, with NURSA. And then from there, I uh, one of my professional staff members at the school in the department I was working in, he was a high school official. He was like, hey, man, like, why don't you come watch and see if it's something you'd be interested in? Went and watched one time, and then I was hooked. And uh, that point forward, I was actually on his crew for two years. He got moved to White Hat the year that I joined and got to be on his crew for two years, and then he moved on to other things. And uh, just I kept working. Uh, I came in as a, a wing official. I bounced back and forth between headlinesman or headline judge now, uh, line judge. And for the past two full seasons, I've been White Hat, um, and the two years before that, I kind of split my time between White Hat and working on the wing. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's it's an interesting case because, you know, most people, when they come in, you know, they have to work their way up through middle school and JV and stuff. And we were already at such a, a need for officials in the association that I joined that my background with flag football was enough for me to be able to, to jump straight onto the field. And I don't recommend it because the speed chain was <laughs> – <laughs> overwhelming at first but uh yeah you know jumped right in uh found myself to be pretty successful early on and um you know really dove into the rule book from the beginning at the uh direction of trent who was that professional staff member who got me to come on and you know just through dedication to rule book and film study and all that I've, I've put myself in a pretty good situation i feel like within my association within the state and uh hopefully for a bright future well great Great. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. Um, yeah, it sounds like you, you got you got started at, at a good age and, and, and sounds like you got a long, long road ahead of you to, to get to a pretty good level. So uh, good I luck. With so. that. Thank you. I mentioned earlier that we have GHSA. That's the that's, that's the big one in the state. That's the one that houses, I would say, probably 90 percent of the high schools. Um, then below that, we have. GISA, which is the Independent School Association, and then below that we have another league that's changed names several times over the years. Um, it's basically all your private Christian schools and home schools and things like that. Sure. Well, my first ever assignment um, was to one of those, as a white hat, was to one of those schools that was in that, that third tier. Um, that's how I would put it. Well, 
you know, it's a pretty ordinary game, except for the fact that in that game, I encountered my first drop kick, my first free kick, my first experience with a quarterback scrambling in the end zone, and before he got sacked, turned around and just pitched the ball backwards out of the back of the end zone. Um, <laughs> that game just had a lot of weird things in it. But the second week, uh, our signer was like, hey, I'm going to put you on a GHSA game. doesn't have any bearing. Playoffs by this point had already been decided. Um, so I was going to a game where there was one really good school, one school that wasn't very good, and the uh, result was already expected. Sure. So we go there, and first half, it's I mean, it's like 50 to nothing. And we're going to the locker room at halftime, and all of a sudden I have someone sprinting full speed at me. And they're like, hey, we need you to call so-and-so from the GHSA. I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. You know, I didn't know maybe if I had done something wrong and sure. all that. Um, so I get in there, and I call him, and he tells me to call our president. I call our president, and they're like, hey, we messed up. Someone messed up at GHSA. Uh, they forgot to send a crew to this school, yada, yada, yada. It's in the next town over. Can you guys hurry up, get your game done, and then go over there for a kickoff? Well, <laughs> that other game was um, a game between the number one and the number two team in the state at the Class A level. Wow. And it was for, it was for a region championship. And we're sitting there, and that game that's 15 to nothing or whatever, and we go out and we tell the coaches the situation. We run the clock. We don't even flip the field uh, at the end of the third quarter. We just keep rolling. Sure. And then we get a police escort from that stadium to the other stadium, which they're probably 15, 20 minutes apart, but we're going 90 down this stretch of highway. Um, and we pull into the school and it's packed out and it's 1030 at night by this point. And we run out to just the, the loudest applause that an official will ever hear. Um, my crew, they were, they're pretty green. It wasn't the most savvy crew that had sure. experience. You know, again, we were expected to be going to a game that was not going to be close. It was going to be a good opportunity for us to learn, work on the mechanics. We go out there and it's packed full. There's probably nine ten thousand people there it's full to the brim and we have kickoff that starts at 10 35 p.m on a friday between the number one team in the state and the number two team in the state with the opportunity to win the region and it goes off without a hitch and oh that's from that point forward yeah from that point forward it was like okay well if i can handle this kind of night um i think i can handle just about anything that will be thrown my way so it's just I don't know, it's been really cool to be able to tell people that my first DHSA game came on the hills of, or my second DHSA game came on the hills of my first DHSA game on the same night with a police escort with a 1035 <laughs> kickoff. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great story. That really is. Yeah, yeah not, not, it, not many get that. So that's a, that's exactly. a great one. No, and uh, the, the rest of the association was definitely envious of of course <laughs> <laughs> oh that's awesome that is awesome so um so we're gonna we're gonna lean on your wisdom here then as oh, as a way <laughs> so um uh, at, at, for every tuesday episode we do during the season we do a couple of uh we do a review episode and and i i think you've listened to a couple of these where we just go over a couple plays and we talk about um kind of not only the play and and what the right call is but we try and 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 expand it and, and stretch the limits of it and figure out all the things that can happen around it 
Um, that way, when when we all see it out there on the field, we're like, I, I've heard this one before. Even if I haven't seen it, I've heard about it before. Um, yeah. And and it it I I think it's helpful. It's definitely helpful to me because I, I, there are things I've reviewed here and and they've come out. They've come happen on the field. I'm like, I, I know that. So. <laughs> the kick is a kick is a kick episode. Is, uh, <laughs> very true for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, that was, that was one of them. So um, this first one's a, a little weird. Um, so I'll, I'll describe the play and the play itself is, is pretty nondescript. There's not a lot to it, but, but we're going to stretch the edges a little and see if we can't make it a little more interesting. Um, so we've got a, we've got a touchdown pass. Um, during the pass, while the ball's in the air, we've got the defender interfering with the receiver. So we've got uh, a flag down for defensive pass interference. Ball's caught. We have a touchdown. Um, during that play, the team who caught the touchdown, I had sideline interference on. So this was their first sideline interference. It was not contact interference. It was Literally, it, and I'm not ashamed of throwing it because it was the right call, but it was literally they had been crowding the sideline the whole time. And this on this play, the coach was, you know, one foot on the field, um, literally on the field. So I'm like, OK, I'm going to throw my flag down there. We're giving them their warning so that I can make sure they're aware that I, they, they they've seen the flag. That usually changes yep. behavior. Yeah, so, that's their one. That's their one. And and. You know, two out of three times they actually behave a heck of a lot better once you've thrown that one flag. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Um, so, of course, because of of the way it was, uh, we actually enforced the pass interference incorrectly. Um, we we ended up declining it, giving the touchdown, and, and nothing else happened. When in reality, we should have given the uh, offended team the option to enforce that pass interference on the try or on the kickoff. Um, so that's lesson one: is to remember that. Um, is, is that, that's always an option on a scoring play. Um, the, the second thing is after the game, I was like, well, let's talk about this for a second, because what if that had actually been their second sideline interference? Um, because then there's an actual penalty to enforce there. Uh, do we have two live ball fouls or what do we have? Um, so, so how do we norm how do we enforce sideline interference is it enforced as a live ball foul uh so i, I think it's a live ball that's treated as a dead ball so anytime we have it whatever the result of the play is we we manage just to go off of that the result of that play and then back it up you know your five or 15 depending on how many we've had to that point sure sure and and i i believe that's that's the case here so it this doesn't turn into a, a multiple live ball foul situation. Whereas if we right. had had that, that exact play and that had been the second sideline interference, we would not have offset them, canceled the touchdown and replayed the down. Right. Um, right. Absolutely. I think we would have scored the touchdown given the offended team, the chance to decide if they wanted the pass interference on the try or the kickoff. Right. Um, and then given the other team, the five yards for the sideline interference as well on whatever that was, um, right. Where, wherever we were going to force the interference. Um, and I, I guess the way that I've always thought about sideline warnings and sideline interference is kind of in the same boat as unsportsmanlike conduct. Sure. You know, no matter if it happens 
in the middle of the play at the high school level, we're going to, we're going to treat it like a dead ball penalty. And I just kind of couple in all the sideline infractions with that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I think most of us have that in the back of our heads there and, and it's kind of a mantra um, that you're like, right. okay, that's a live ball enforces a dead ball. So no big deal, blah, blah, blah. And you, and, and you yeah. kind of ride along until that one situation happens where you're like, <laughs> I know it's a live balls and forces a dead ball, but what does that mean when we have multiple fouls? How, right. how are we going right. to deal with it in that case? So yeah. um, I, I'm going to add one more twist on, and I think I know the answer and I'll, I'll get your opinion on it. Okay. Let's say we've got multiple live ball fouls, one against each team, and then the sideline interference as well. I believe we're going to offset the multiple live ball fouls and then enforce just the sideline interference. Is that yeah. the way you would see that? Because again, that's, it's treated yep. as a dead ball foul. Right. Yep. That's exactly how I would do it. Yep. And, and, and it, like I said, it's always good to stretch these and, and just pull them in different directions and, and feel, feel them out. So that again, when we right. see that situation on the field, we're like, I, I know where to go with this one. So, yeah. um, I, you know, this is, I would roughly my, my second and a half year of being a white hat. And I'm trying to think back if I've ever had a case where I've had a flag on the sideline on the same play that had another flag. And I don't think that I have. So now that we've talked about it, it's going to happen Friday night. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting though. I, I don't think I've even seen it in the games that I've reviewed for our association. I don't think I've seen, you know, a, a multiple foul play with the sideline flag. So that's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and, and and my I think my my reaction when I went in to report to the referee was okay. <laughs> I've got we've we've got a strange one here. Uh, I said okay, so down here we've got the the inter, the pass interference called by the back judge, and then over here I've got sideline interference, and and I think I, I tried to talk them through it as the sideline interference was just the warning. So therefore that's, we're not, we're going to ignore that for penalty purposes, but you could just see the referee's face go like, Oh yeah, this is a good one <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and, and work through it. So um, it, good referee. So he, he took it, he took it in stride and just went and executed. Um, yeah. We, we got the enforcement wrong on the DPI, but, but ex- mistakes happen. And we, we, we right. try to, we try to minimize those, but we know they're, they're, they're out there. So, yeah. um, and, and talking about them like this helps cement them in my brain as well. So yeah. let's, um, uh, let's, let's jump on to the next one that I've got. And okay. again, this is, this is, uh, uh, I won't call it a mistake on my part. Cause I think I executed everything almost correct. The one minor mistake I made didn't matter. Um, we, we, so all season long, I've been a headlinesman or I've been a back judge. Um, you know, most of the game, you know, seven, eight games, including sub varsity as a linesman and one or two as a back judge. Um, I had not worked line judge at all this season, um, after having worked at majority of last season. So bounced around a little, um, and this is where the five man, right? This is five man. Yeah, exactly. And this is, um, and this is a little bit of the danger of bouncing around between positions. So um, what ended up happening was I, I know where my position is on, on kickoffs. I, and, and I, I, you know, set up at the 50, I've got the receivers. I count them up. Uh, I'm doing all my line judge stuff, uh, watching to make sure that, that I, I'm helping on those pop-up kicks. So I'm watching for that. And I've got my checklist in my head that I'm going down. 
Um, but when you're not comfortable in a position because it's not something you've done five or six times, it, it, everything just is a little off kilter. And what ended up happening was we had a game where, um, it's a little back and forth. There's one team starting to take control of it. Um, but sure enough, middle of the third quarter, um, the team that's trailing lines up as they have all game to to do their kick. They're kind of in a bunch formation to huddle before the, the kickoff so they can discuss whatever play they're doing. Um, I count my men. I, I check my line of scrimmage. I'm good. I put my hand up. We get a whistle from the referee, and the minute that whistle hits, the entire kicking team runs up. Um, they kick the ball off from that bunch formation in an onside kick formation. Um, it was a dribbler along the ground, so I didn't have pop-up kick. Uh, the kicking team actually touched it at about nine and a half yards. Um, so I, I dropped my flag, and the minute I dropped my flag, I'm like, that's not right, and I dropped my beanbag. Um, and then we had a recovery by the, uh, by the receiving team. So the, the issue there was I wasn't ready. Um, and, and, and so I, we all got together and I got, I got coaches yelling at me from behind, like, they can't do that. They can't do that. I'm like, they can't do what? Cause I'm starting to go through my checklist. I'm like, it wasn't a pop-up kick. That was fine. So what are they, what are they arguing about? So we, we all get together and, we, we say, okay, you know, uh, the uh, back judge, the referee comes up and I, we, we get in a group. I say, I've got a recovery by the receiving team. I've got first touching um, up here at the, what would that be? 44 and a half. Um, so that's where, that's where R is going to get the ball um, right. because they'd recovered it at say the 46. Um, we're going to give it at the 44 and a half. Uh, you're going to have to wave off my flag because I dropped that on accident for first touching. It, it was really just a beanbag. Um, and and both of them are like, and, and the back judge comes in. He's like, I couldn't see. And I'm like, what? What? He's like, were there four on either side? I'm like, oh, that's what the coaches were yelling about. Right. And and look, at that point, that's one of those things where you, you have to rewind everything in your memory. And memory's horrible. Right. Um, but you, you, you're, you're trying to go through that instant replay on memory. And I'm like, the kicker was not on one side of the bunch. He was kind of in the middle of the bunch. I can't say definitively that there were four on either side, but I almost certainly can say that I don't, uh, um, how to, how to phrase this. I don't have any visual recollection that it was an illegal formation um, right. is the best way to put it. And, and so, that that brought in the whole thing. And, and again, another mantra, right. Of treat every kick as an onside kick. Right. And, and sometimes you forget that, especially middle of a game. That's not really all that competitive. You don't necessarily, you, you lose a little focus on the kickoff um, because those games get out of control a little, uh, a little out of competitive and you, you start to lose a little focus on that. And, and I lost focus in that moment. Um, right. Would I have caught, or are there four on either side? If I had been focused on every kick could be an onside kick, I'm not even sure I would have caught that then. Um, going forward, it's something I'm going to pay attention to. Um, because what the, the thing that caught me the most was the fact that it was instant after the whistle. 
Um, and because what I was expecting was I was expecting a whistle and them to go out into their formation. And, and then if they do an onside kick, I was, I would have been a lot more ready for it. Um, right. It was a matter of the timing of it all. So it, it, it was, it was interesting because again, the prior week, We'd had a competitive game and I was headlinesman. And there were a couple of times where towards the end of the game, I came up to the 50 to be opposite the line judge um, to watch those onside kicks to help with them. Right. Um, so it's not like I hadn't had practice at the onside kick. It was it was the immediacy of it that, that kind of caught me off guard. So I think that the, the whole thing about this play was talking about, hey, just make sure you're ready every time. You put your hand up, you need to be watching for the minute that whistle goes. Right. Yeah. So um, I don't know. How, how do you how do you keep uh, your focus on kickoffs and, and how do you how do you handle kickoffs in general? So I don't want to say that it's a blessing, but it's a blessing that we have at least six people on games up here um, because it kind of splits up that responsibility a little bit more. And fortunate enough to have seven on some games. Um, sure. So the first thing that comes to my mind is at least in Georgia with our mechanics manual, the four on each side of the kicker is solely up to the, the referee. Okay. Um, and I, you know, there's some argument about how in the world is the referee going to look, you know, 60 yards down the field and, and be able to discern that, um, especially when you have players in front of you. Um, but I guess the biggest thing for me, and I'm part of that NFHS Facebook group. I know you're a part of it. Um, yeah. And, and I'm sure many of the people that listen to this are. Uh, but I, I posted a video there last year of an opening kickoff we had that my crew and I were kind of, you know, in that state that you can get in and kickoffs where you're, you're ready, but you're not ready, you yep. know, if that makes sense. Um, yep. And we, we had a kid that got absolutely depleted, um, and we all missed it. And two of the guys that listened were on that crew. It was Taylor and Josh. Got to give them a shout-out. I told them I would. Um but we uh, we got caught with our pants down, to to say the least. And it was kind of from that moment on where we were like, all right, we've got to we got to refocus on these kickoffs. We got to make sure that everyone's paying attention, everyone knows their keys, everyone knows what we're doing. So first thing that we do uh, in our pregame each week, it doesn't matter if we're playing, if we have you know the world's best team versus the world's worst or two evenly matched teams. We always talk about our kicking assignments. Um, just to kind of know, first off, where we're going, where our eyes are going, where our thought process is going each week on each kickoff. Um, but besides that, I'm pretty deliberate with kickoffs. Um, I'm a little bit slower than I would like to be because I feel like it slows the game down. But I won't blow that whistle until I can clearly define four on one side and four on the other. Um, sure. Just because of plays like that, where if they're huddled up and I can't tell, I'm not going to blow it in for ready for kick because I don't want to be the one caught with, you know, not knowing what's on each side and then coming back to video, you know, later on that weekend and saying, well, they only had one person on that side and they recovered onside kick and, you know, it's just a big hole to do. So I'm I'm very patient and and six man our umpires are or with the kicker and I always tell my umpire, Hey, stay there until I can make sure that we have four on each side and then go ahead and move to the sideline. And 
I think that's just the, the mentality that I've taken with it every week is just I'm not going to make sure – I'm not going to blow us in for ready until I know that everything is legal on their side. Sure. Um, and in my opinion, it just keeps from, number one, illegal things happening as they're kicking. Um, so, you know, the umpires make sure they're within that restraining line. When he's going back to the sidelines, I'll make sure that's good. And I'll make sure they have four on each side. So I'm trying to take care of those things so we don't have issues pop up during the kick or on film when we go back to review. Sure. So I guess my my practice is just slowing it down, even though it feels like it comes to a crawl on kickoffs, just to make sure we're legal before we're doing anything else. Yeah, and and that that sounds like that might – um, especially if you're the one taking responsibility for the four on either side, that certainly takes right. that out of the equation. Um, right. and, and the more things we can take out of the equation through mechanics, through process, um, the easier it is to officiate everything else. Um, anything right. we can eliminate from having to officiate by process, um, then, then we, we have less things that we have to, to concentrate on. Not that that would have saved me on this one. <laughs> like I said, I was I was caught by the immediacy of it. Um, so in, in in Florida, who are they putting that responsibility on for the four on each side? Because I wouldn't imagine everyone's looking at the kicking team to figure that out. Um, so is there a directive that you guys have been given on that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure for uh, so it's going to vary by association um, within Florida. Okay. Um, within our association, I believe it falls on the back judge um, okay. who, who, who he's responsible for the kickers. I think his secondary help does come from the line judge. Who's at the 50. Um, okay. uh, does the line judge have a better look at it? If they run something funky, you know, like a, a player crossing behind the kicker um, right. during the run up. Yes. The back judge is going to have, I'm sorry, the line judge at the 50 is going to have a better view of that. Um, right. And then in that case, it's just a case of, counting them ahead of time going, I got five on each side. So no matter if they only move one player, I'm good. Um, Or if they're, you know, four and six, then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I kind of have to watch this one because if they do something funky with the four, then I could have something to go with. So it's kind of on those two. Um, I, I, it sounds, I, I haven't made it to, to white hat yet. That's, that's probably something coming up very shortly um, within the next Absolutely. year. Or so. um, but I, I think I'm going to adopt that your, your attitude of as, as, as white hat, go ahead and take responsibility for, it. even though it's, you know, 60, 70 yards down the field, you should be able to pick out four um, right. on either side. And, and it's always best to know if it's five and five, but pick it out. Um, yeah, right. and, and, and talk about it with the crew ahead of time and then maybe make the, make the back judge, I'm sorry, the line judge, the one at the 50 responsible for those crossing ones. Um, cause right. I'm not even sure the referee necessarily will pick that up. Um, yeah. So yeah. No, and, that's, and uh, I, that, yeah. I, I was just gonna say, and I know that at least in my area, um, they started discouraging coaches from doing things like that. Um, you know, I know it's all part of their strategy and they're trying to, to deceive the, the receiving team, but if we're putting ourselves in situations where teams are doing those kind of acts and it's it's screwing with us as well, then all of a sudden, you know, it changes the dynamic of that play. And sure. if we're not ready, certainly the receiving team's not ready. And if 
two of the three teams on the field aren't ready, that's usually not a good sign. Right. Um, so, so they've started directing coaches, hey, don't do that. You can start with a bunch, but spread it out a little bit just so we can make sure we're legal on that right. line. Right, right. And and who knows but what that's where these coaches who thought that was illegal got that from is they'd heard it from other compatriots in other other areas. Right. So um, I think the last one I want to wrap up on is is, is another just thought uh, on on sidelines. And, and as a white hat, it's not something uh, you're dealing with nowadays, but you were on the wings previously. And I was, yep. I was working a doubleheader, a, a freshman JV doubleheader. And on that night, we, we did both sides. We did, a, a, I was headlinesman, then I was line judge. Um, and it was that night where I got the line judge issue um, with the onside kick. So um, what ended up happening is as headlinesman for the first game, the freshman game, I had a pristine sideline. You know, the coaches were, were fine. They were well back. I get it over the other side, it's a mess. Um, and I'm not blaming my, my compatriot. This, it was, you know, a slightly different set of coaches. So um, it wasn't his fault that he, he didn't keep his sideline clean. It's just a slightly different set of coaches. So I, I do, I do what I normally do. And, and, and I say, Hey coach, give me room. And every once in a while I'll throw down a flag, but very early in the game before I'd been able to really get that first sideline interference flag out. Um, sure enough, we've got a punt. And just before the punt, I, I took a peek down, and sure enough, they're halfway in in the box. And I'm yelling at them to get back, but I'm no longer looking to see if they got back um, because right. snap's imminent. So I, I punt happens, I take off, and because my concentration split a little because I'm thinking about them being on my sideline, so I, I move into the field just a little, just in case. Um, and, and all I, all I hear in the background is there's a hold, there's a hold, there's a hold. And I'm like, I, I finished the play. We, we mark it off. I didn't see a hold anywhere in there. Um, and I get back, I'm like, coaches, listen, if there was a hold and, and you saw it and I miss it, then I apologize. But my, I'm sitting here running down the field with one eye out the side looking to make sure I'm not running into you because you're, you're here in the sideline. And I, I just need right. that room to work so that my concentration isn't split. And, and right. the, I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's a pain in the neck to get some of those coaches off that sideline. It absolutely right. is. We've all had to do it. Um, and we've all had varying results with, with having those conversations. Um, right. But if we don't do it, if we don't do that responsibility, there are going to be times when our concentration is going to be split in a couple directions because we're a little worried about where the coaches are um, right. instead of establishing that early. And that can affect our other calls on the field. So I wanted yeah, to throw that absolutely. out there because it's another situation that happened. And and I know I need to get better at, at my control just a bit. We had already had a bad start with that 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 coaching staff I had. Um, so I, I already knew that getting them with a sideline warning was just going to ramp up the temperature of the, mm-hmm. of the conversation. Um, so right. I was trying to let it cool down before I hit them with one of those. Um, but because I didn't, it got a little to where I, I, my officiating was compromised. So, right. um, that, that's just a little, uh, little bit of a, uh, 
reminder to everyone as to why we why it's so important. Safety is is the number yep. one reason, but yep. it's it's also that concentration that that can get in there as well. Right. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I don't know if you have any wise words on how you dealt with it when you were on the wings. Um, I I would say that my learning and my grasp of it actually has improved as I've moved to White Hat because. I'm getting real-time feedback from the guys on the wings instead of just my side. Um, I know I know Josh that I mentioned earlier. He's actually already run into two coaches this year in two separate games. Oh, and, Yeah, and you know he's really good about dictating the pace at the beginning of the game and and getting it out of the way. Because um, we and it's it's been a point of emphasis within our association about coaches and creeping onto the field and creeping into the restricted area. So it's already a focus of ours and coaches know that. And so they usually get one at the beginning and it's usually okay, but you know, it just sucks because like you're saying, sometimes you come into a game and especially in our case, they're like, Oh, well, you're so worried about the sideline instead of worried about the game. And, you know, you had that in the back of your mind and you're like, well, I don't want to throw a flag and then already start jumping my case about it. But right, right. just working with Josh and then my other wing is Alan, working with them on a week-to-week basis um, and just knowing that, like you were saying, like if, if they don't get it and they get distracted and they get worried, that they're going to run into somebody and it's going to hurt them or hurt the other person. And so I've just said, you know, even if we're in a hot situation and the coaches are worried about it, you know, we don't have to respond to the coaches. Um, we always go in with the mantra that we'll we'll do our best to answer questions, but we're not going to respond to statements. And if we feel that temperature is high, and you know they're they're making those comments about us being worried about the sideline, um, I tell them to go ahead and hit them with it. And you know at that point it's on them whether they want to change the the direction the game's going, or you know the next time it's five, the next time it's fifteen. And I don't know how it's handled there, but in our in georgia if they get two fifteen yards coach is gone and oh yeah oh yeah so you know it's it's one of those things where you know if they want to make their bed and and lie in it then it's on them and i've just i've directed them be as strict as you can at the opening kickoff the opening series for each team and then by that point we should be squared away for the rest of the game um but i mean i i completely understand what you're saying about you know you don't you don't want to have to use that because it, it's one of those situations where maybe I am worrying too much about the sideline instead of the game, but yeah, like you said, it affects our concentration when we're having to worry about it. Yeah. And when, when I can, when, when, when as a wing, I get to have a, a, a quick conversation with the head coach ahead of time, I'll usually try and get right. that out of the way during the pregame. That's right. not always something that happens. It just depends right. on the flow of the pregame, things like that. I'll usually say, Hey coach, uh, do you have a bit get back coach to help me keep the sideline clean? And and just so you understand my philosophy, the first sideline interference call I'm going to call you for is going to be on the littlest thing. It's going to be on, you know, one foot in the side in on the sideline. It's going to be little. Um, and that's right. just so that everyone's aware that, hey, this is important that we keep this sideline clear because I understand that the coaches, your, your, that, that assistants in general and players in general don't always pay attention unless there's a flag on something. Right. Um, yeah. And that and, you need the help to say, hey, we can't get hit with another penalty. So right. uh, if I and, can, I have that conversation ahead of time. Yeah. And, you know, in my process uh, as the White Hats, um, 
I'm usually in contact with coaches throughout the week, um, both both coaches, just to kind of make sure that we're all on the same page with what's going on. And one of the things that I ask when I when I send them my first email is, do you have a coach that's responsible for keeping the restricted area clear for us? And when they respond, it's usually the strength and conditioning coach. I think that's kind of the the idea around the country is that person is, is responsible. But when they tell me that, I respond with, if coach so-and-so isn't able to keep the restricted area clear, do I have your permission to fire them and find someone else to handle it? And usually that kind of sets off a light bulb of, okay, well, these, these guys are going to be serious about the sidelines, so I need to make sure that coach so-and-so has us squared away. And that seems to have worked so far for us. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, that that's certainly one way to approach it. <laughs> it's going to take right. me a little while to, to 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 be willing to go there with it, but yeah, yeah, and and it's it's just one of those things where it, as I've gotten more comfortable being a white hat, I've been a little more direct with, well, if we can't handle it this way, then we're going to change who's responsible for it to make sure that it's not an issue for us or for you. Sure. Well, and well, being being yeah, younger, I've had to. I was going to say, being younger, when I first started, I kind of had to put my foot down for people to take me serious. I yeah. guess you know, it, mm-hmm. it was always I was taken seriously, but they would always try to test me with little things. So sure. I've been a lot more aggressive with those kind of things, just not trying to overcompensate for being younger, but just to kind of let them know, hey, I'm I'm serious about this. You know, I I have a passion for this. This is not me just coming out as a young guy. Just running around having a good time. It's something that I've, you know, put a lot of work into trying to make my craft really good, good. And I'm not going to let, you know, a sideline or ball boys interfere with myself or my crew having a good game. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Joey, thank you again for joining. Um, always great to have somebody on to talk over these things with. So, so thank you again yeah. for joining. Yeah. I appreciate you having me on. This was, this was a blast. Absolutely. So um, everybody have a great weekend and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to Friday Night Stripes. Show notes and links to all of the episodes can be found on our website at FridayNightStripes.com. Reviews on Google Podcasts or Apple iTunes are always appreciated as they will help us reach more officials. We are always looking to talk to officials everywhere, so if you want to be a guest, please email hello at FridayNightStripes.com. If you have comments, ideas, or want to correct a mistake we made, you can email us at hello at FridayNightStripes.com. You can also continue the conversation by joining the Facebook group Friday Night Stripes or following us on Twitter at Friday Night Stripes. Show music is Fight 'em Down by Flash Fluidy, licensed by PremiumBeat.com. We'll see you on the next episode.